chapter 10. Talk about I am, the I am element. That's the best offering I ever heard. I have heard a gaggle of them, and I've never, that was so good. And I don't want to take away from anybody else that's ever done one, but that one was hallelujah. Thank you for that, sir. I wrote this down. I want to share it with you. It's just, it's just staggering. It's a startling statistic. It says in a nationwide survey among born again adults, born again adults. So there's, there's a few hoops you have to jump through and a few bars you have to get over to, to discern and sift out who's born again. In a nationwide survey among born again adults, none of the individuals interviewed said that the single most important goal in their life was to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. It says none, none of the individuals interviewed said that. Let's just change that. Let's just change that. Let's, let's reset our priorities. Not reset. Yours aren't, don't need to be reset. But let's demonstrate that. Let's demonstrate that the number one most important goal in our life is to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ because nothing else really matters. Everything else is a convenience. Everything else is a, is a tool or a vehicle to carry out the kingdom. We're married and have children to carry out the kingdom. We think that's the end of all and, and that's all it is, but it's just uh, time is a tool of the kingdom. Lord doesn't need time, but we need time. And so we have time. Uh, relationships, we need help down here. Two is better than one. So it's a, it's, a, it's a vehicle that we carry out the kingdom. The anointing is a vehicle. The grace of God on our lives that causes us to be supernatural in natural times is a vehicle. The gifts of the spirit, obviously, the word of faith. All these things that are in us are to carry out the kingdom. And that's the only thing that matters. We shouldn't be caught up on the different things that he's put in there to carry out the kingdom and to say, well, that's important. And they all are, but he is the head. And we love him so, so yay. Romans chapter 10, look in verse nine, you know this verse, but it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. There's a lot in that, isn't there? And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So we looked at it a little bit last week, what the word saved means. It's the Greek word sozo, if you look it up in the, in the original. And uh, it means to be delivered. Thou shalt be delivered. Aren't you glad? Yes. He's a full service Jesus. <laughs> a full service Savior. It means to be protected. We don't fear anything because we're born again. Not even if we're confessing scriptures. Well, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's one way to express that we're born again and that we're absolutely protected. We could go to Psalm 91. I'm hidden in the secret place. That's just an expression of the born again experience. Woo he's got us. He's got our front and he's got our back. Hallelujah. Yeah, the word means to be healed. Thou shalt be healed. 
If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be healed. It's so good to be healed. We forget because we, we don't experience that here. The utter hopelessness of being in a situation where you're totally at the discretion and the wisdom and the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the tools of a doctor, of a system. Thank God we would all probably be not, many of us wouldn't be here. I know I wouldn't be here without the medical. So we're not discounting that. But just because we got across, got across the river on that doesn't mean we should live on the bridge. So we're, we're so thankful that thou shalt be healed. It's a very, very present part of your life to know God's got my back. It means to be preserved. It means to be to do well. It means to be made whole. So there he's talking about the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, uh, what does it say about your soul in that? Don't make me look. Y'all know. He restores my soul. Thank you. Thank you. He restores my soul. So that's, that's part of being saved. That's the salvation experience. We are saved in our soul. And we are preserved. So we don't have to age. We can just depart. We don't have to get old and cranky and, and fall apart. We can just be uh, to depart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. Uh, behold, excuse me. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Ah, I tell you, that's the lifeline. It's a foundation, but it's certainly in our life. I was meditating on the experience of the new birth. And I remember the hoopla of King Charles getting coronated. And what a deal that was. And the marriage of, of Charles and Diana back then in that day, that was just the whole world stopped on the axis and just paid attention to that. But really, the truth is, it's not any more glorious than the new birth and what happens in heaven when a person gets born again. We, we because it's so easily done... But it's not. It's just the most amazing thing that's ever happened to any of us is the new birth. So praise God. Turn with me to John, if you would, the book of John, chapter 8. We looked at this last week, but let's look at it just for a moment briefly. John, chapter 8, verse 43. I like to talk about the new birth and how far did you come from being a sinner to being a child of God? The puzzling part to the world, it's certainly hard for them, but it's even hard for the church because we look the same. We drive the same. We think the same, basically, after the new birth as we did before. And so we're tempted to think nothing happened or that we just got an upgrade. We got a rebuild. We got an update in our operating system or something like that. But it's really far from that. 
the outward man belies what happened on the inward. And it's just not insignificant at all. It says in uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 43, uh, why do you not understand my speech even because you cannot hear my word? This is what Barry was talking about, the, the lost. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your fathers ye will do. It says in the Amplified, you are of your father the devil, and it was your will to practice the lusts and gratify the desires which are characteristic of your father. What a change. We went being the son of the devil to being the son of righteousness. That's, that's, that's quite a wide swing. It's nothing like it. Matter of fact, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and just look at that verse that we know so well, chapter 5. We always look at verse 17, if any man be in Christ. But verse 21 goes on and expounds and expands that very verse. He says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. So the pronoun there is pointing to the Lord Jesus. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. So there's a legal maneuver there. The Lord Jesus had to be sinless, didn't he? And so he was. And he made him to be sin. He was sinless, but he made him to be sin. Made him, put on him, put on him. What did he put on him? Well, our sin. Because we were sinners. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God. That's elite status. We know in John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you can almost go to war over that, that that's not even a current. That's not even current, because in Romans, it says that Jesus became the firstborn among many brethren. So now he's not the only begotten son. Have you been begotten? Well, of course you have. Are you a son just like Jesus? Of course you are. As he is, so are you in this world. So he's not even the only begotten. He was the first begotten, but he's not the only begotten. He's the firstborn among many brethren. That is, that is significant, that he made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, just like Jesus. We are not Jesus. We are not saviors. We are not in that class as far as who he was, but we are in that class in who he was made, who he made us. We are in that class. We didn't come from that class, but we are in that class. It's tricky. It's tricky. But once you get it straight in there, you feel real good about everything in your life. We got this. Not me, but we got this. Hallelujah. So, uh, the Passion says, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, that we who did not know righteousness, there we are, might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Wow, a union with him. What's the union with him? It's a new birth. So it happened there. A whole bunch happened that day, didn't it? A whole bunch happened. Nothing's ever happened like that before, uh, since then. 
Nothing ever can happen like that since then. That was the pivot of your whole life. And if you hadn't turned there, you'd be lost. You'd be of your father, the devil. I am always real concerned about the cavalier attitude of people that uh, are in motorsports or rodeos or or uh, uh, base jumping or those things that are very dangerous and very uh, on the edge because they don't realize that if they don't pull this off, generally speaking, you can't know for sure, but a lot of them, you would assume, are not born again. They're going to meet their destination. And they cut off the time that they could have got born again from that day to the end of their natural life. Oh, my. Just taking life is something that's loose and cavalier and cheap and expendable. And until you get born again, there's nothing going on except to get born again. And so we went from being made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in the mind of uh, this is where I want to go concerning the sinner man, which very, very aptly described uh, about the body of Christ and who we have been portrayed as religion, religion. What does religion do? We know how it turns out, but what does religion do? What is the common denominator of religion? Why do we hate religion? Why do we despise their tactics and their schemes and their plans? It's because they, they discount the New Testament being the only word of God for the born-again man. They, they work out of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament's not us. Everything that's good in the Old Testament, we have and better. That's, that's one good thing. You can read the Old Testament and say, well, if they had it then, I've got it. Because they didn't have anything I don't have. I've, I've got everything they had based on better blood and better promises. But if you go there and point to that, you're going to get a wrong picture. For instance, I looked up, uh, excuse me, uh, One, one thing the Old Testament got was Psalm 8, 4. And the Amplified says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of earthborn man that you care for him? What is man? God, why do you care about man? We are worms. Oh, yet you have made him but a little lower than God, or heavenly beings. God made us just a little lower than himself. Y'all, that's God. Y'all, the, the universe is expanding right now at the speed of light. What is that, 138 million, thousand uh, miles per second? It's a bunch, whatever it is. It's the speed of light. That's how big it is expanding. And he's in charge of all that. He, he spoke that with the word of his mouth. He spoke that, light be. And he never said, okay, we're done. He never said that. So the light is still going out from wherever and all over. You can't even, we can't even wrap our head around that. You, you, you can't. You just have to believe it down here. And so that's the God. He said, what are you, why are you mindful of man? It says, you have made him a little lower than God and you have crowned him with glory and honor. 
That seems like a bad move to me. Have you been around people lately? <laughs> have you been to a ball game with them? <laughs> have, you been, have you been anywhere with them? It says it made him a little lower than God or heavenly beings, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Oh, my. But the Old Testament people, the religious crowd, they go to Isaiah 55 and they say, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And they put us in a, a realm that was before Jesus, before the new birth. Are y'all here? We are not those people that my thoughts are your, not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I hear it quoted all the time. It's in print everywhere. Well, you know, Isaiah said we we're dum-dums. God's got it and we don't. And so we're excused from having any revelation because, you know, God's got all of that. Uh, the truth is, in Genesis one, God told Adam, he said, uh, replenish the earth and subdue it. <laughs> so that was the original plan. So the Lord would have to change his plan and say, you know, that was a dumb idea. Holy Ghost, that was a dumb idea. Was that you that came up with that, giving man all this trouble, this power? No, not me. It was the Lord Jesus. It was not, not me. You know, you can just see him passing it around saying, you know, the devil got in. How did that happen? But no, that was his plan. Replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over every live, living thing that moveth upon the earth. That was what God started out with. And when it took a turn, and it did just take a turn, he said, we'll get this thing back. Did y'all know the Lord's been working on getting this thing back? And the Old Testament is the story of him getting it back. It's not the story of us. It's the story of the trip or the travel to get it back. I mean, when you when you when something goes good for your life, you don't always tell all the troubles that were there and stop and say, yeah, they turned me down and they turned me down again and they turned me down again. And then you just finish right there. You always tell the other side. But but on the fourth time, I got it. I got the promotion. I got the chair. I got the 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 place. That's what they're doing. That's what religion doing is saying, well, on the trip. Man was a dum-dum and God had to deal with him and he, and he killed people and he didn't, didn't put up with his people. Well, that was the trip. So we went from Genesis 1 to Isaiah 55 and then we went to Romans 6. It says, sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace. That's where we went. That's the story of this day. That's the new birth. You are not under, sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law. Yes. So y'all quit it. Quit it. Tell yourself, wake up, son, wake up. You are not under the law. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Quit being a worm when you mess up. That's what I'm going to say, and I'm sticking by it. Hallelujah. 
It went to 1 John 4, 7, because as he is, so are we in the world. The earth, excuse me, no, the world. Okay, so that's who we are. That's who I am. We went through the ways of God are higher than our ways, but now we're here. Oh, my word. So how per powerful is the born again man? How, who are we? I want to know who I am. I am looking for the I am element. Who am I? Because I look just like I look before I was born again. And in some ways, I still act like I did when I was not born again. Y'all sure looking holy out there right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> not me. It's true. Sometimes we revert. We have a soul moment. And something gets dredged up and we say it or we... And what you say is what you've been thinking, and it's a part of what you at least had been believing. And we catch ourselves saying, where did that come from? Well, that's the old man. That's the soul man. I'm renewing that out of my life. I'm renewing that out of my mind. But Mark 16 says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Now take that devil. Take that religion. His ways are higher than our ways. They're not higher than our ways. We have the mind of Christ. It was that way. And on the trip, we almost ran out of gas. But then, but then we, we walked three miles to the gas station and came back and filled it up and finished our trip. We don't tell the whole trip like we ran out of gas in the desert. The end. In my name shall they cast out devils. Now I'm telling you. Religion won't tell you that. But the new birth tells you that. You are a devil chaser. You are a devil caster. It says they shall speak with new tongues. The Bible says you ought to speak with new tongues. The Bible says. Are them crazy people? No, the Bible says. Hallelujah. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hand. They shall just like... Anything else, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's like breathe, let your heart beat, see, hear, lay hands on the sick. It's all in there. It's all the same. It doesn't matter. It's not different. It's not little and big. It's not someday in some way. It's who we are. Uh, Mark six twelve says they went out and preached that men should repent and they cast out many devils. So regular folks, they look like regular folks and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. So we're, they were empowered with an anointing that was beyond their day. They, they, it was kind of like a credit card. They, they charged something that wasn't really their account and the Lord paid for it. Uh, so, so if the Lord, if, if, if the in Christ, if we being in Christ are full of life, and full of light, then we are the antithesis of the unregenerate. They are completely dark and completely dead. We use the example of the, of the Hamas that were able, at least some of them, but to, to kill these babies and, and be so brutal in it and, and, uh, and just uh, uh, take pregnant women and just eviscerate 
the baby and, and just and then stab the mother or, or shoot the mother. I mean, just just things that are unspeakable, unspeakable, even among the cultured, unspeakable. And we go, what is that a picture of? That's a picture of the pure or nearly pure demonic nature on display. So what did, what happened? So there's this Prius in the parking lot. I love this Prius thing because I've always despised them. I mean, it, they, the fan that's in your kitchen that sometimes you turn on, that's the same motor that's in the Prius. <laughs> so, uh, so you get this 800 pound, 800 horsepower GMC engine or Ford, and you put it in a Prius. Man, the, the front tires are squatted. They, it's not made for that. But that's who we are. We look so normal on the outside that it even, it even, it even fools us to thinking, I'm, 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 I am what I look like. We look like regular folk. We look like regular people. And we move among the regular people, the unborn again, and they don't notice us because we look like them. We don't have a, a mark on us. And it's, uh, they know us by the flesh. They can't see into our spirit. Like Barry said, that the, the, <laughs> they, they know us. They know there's something different about us, but they don't know what it is because they see us and they know us by the flesh. But the truth is, we are that Prius with the 800 horsepower engine. And by the way, it's turbocharged. Hallelujah. <laughs> you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you, they just, the Lord just puts a turbocharge on it and says, see what you can do with that Prius. And we are so ordinary. I mean, you can just take the most frail little, little woman and, and, uh, and, and shock her with the new birth. And she'll tear up motorcycle gangs. The only thing we have to do to get that Prius to run the quarter mile in 2.6 seconds. That's a, that. You, well, wait a minute. You can't even put that in your head. Uh, you have to have tires this wide to, to do that. But the only way to do that is our job to see this is to take the brakes off. We are in the job right now. We are renewing our minds only not to get more but to take the brakes off of what we are, who we are, what we have. We're like, I got the brakes on. What's that smoking? What's that smell? What's that smoke in the, in, the, in the cabin? It's the brakes that you've had on going down this mountain all these miles, and they're about to blow out because you're Old Testament. You're, 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 you're not identifying with the new birth. And that's all that needs to happen, church. That's all that needs to happen is take the brakes off. It's like, you don't care. What if they laugh at me? Because I'm a Prius. And I, I can do the quarter mile in 2.6 seconds. Yeah, that's going to be quite a sight. But we can do it. When we cast the devils out of them and they're set free, then they'll be glad. But if they're not, we don't care. We're doing the work of the kingdom. It's cost us to have the brakes on. 
It's cost me to have the brakes on. Everybody's had the brakes on. It's not just me, but all of us have had the brakes on. As we walk through this, we've been intimidated. And part of the intimidation, like I said, is the Old Testament people that have told us that we're worms because they pointed to Scripture. God breathed, God ordained, God planted Scripture in the Old Testament and said that's, that's what the Bible says. And that's what the heathens say. They criticize Christians because they take the Old Testament and say, this is what y'all believe. And, and they can find scripture that says God, God killed them. So we've had a breakdown. It's cost us in relationships, in our culture. Can you imagine the Christians that are in the United States the, the born-again people in the United States letting what's happened in our laws and our government and our system, letting this, this homosexual thing become the law of the land, we were willing to tolerate it and say, okay, y'all go into your corner and do your thing, but don't bother us. We're okay if you don't bother us. Well, you know that was a coup. And all the stuff since then is a coup. Because Christians have had the brakes on who they were. They didn't know who they were. And then when they did, they put the brakes on. So it's happened in our churches, very secular churches now. It's a shame that anybody would stick out for just not being secular. It's like, wow, y'all are not secular. We stick out. So the Bible bases everything about you on what's under the hood. God addresses you and me when you say, Lord, I need healing. I'm sick and I need you to heal me. He doesn't address that Prius. He addresses what's under the hood. He said, uh, I looked under the hood and uh, it says under the hood, you are bona fide born again and therefore you're bona fide healed. It already happened. When are you going to take the brakes off of what I've already done? Oh, I didn't, that's not the answer I wanted. I wanted you to reach down and do something in the natural realm so I would feel better. He said, well, I already did it in the spiritual realm. Faith will translate it from the spiritual realm into the natural realm. You got to have faith. You got to believe you receive when you pray. You, you, but God said, it's not hard. I already wired you the upgrade in that. It's already installed. You, there's nothing you have to do. It's already in there. Christians are really ready for anything. We are the problem solvers in the world. We've got the answers. We don't get into places of power because we've been, the brakes have been on. And if they crucify Christians that get in to office that have convictions about uh, Lie, abortion and life and about the homosexual agenda and all those things. There's just a plethora of those things. They crucify them and it's a high price to pay. And they go after it like some Nazi Germany thing that went after the Jews. If they find you, they're going to they're going to they're going to take you out. And so we've been intimidated and it's a long process of intimidation that has made us afraid because we're not together. 
used to that if you intimidated anybody, the church would rally about around them and just vote those suckers out. Just take them out. You intimidate a Christian, you're, you're, you're gone because we have the voting block. What, who, we put in whoever we want to and nobody else has a voting block that can stop us. That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be running this country. We're supposed to be running Tuscaloosa. We're supposed to be running Alabama. We're supposed to be the premier state in the United States. And Arkansas is doing amazing things with Governor Huckabee. She's just in there, or Sanders. She's just in there kicking butt and taking names, so to speak. <laughs> uh, excuse me, I, I don't think you can say that, but... We're in a liberal society right now. But, I mean, she's in there. She's just said, our schools are not going to have this stuff. And our, she's just doing it. Well, it sticks out. Why does it stick out? It's because now it's, the, it's not the norm. And we got to get it back to the norm. I don't know that we can, but we should crusade. We should, we should stand for who we are and let the Lord work out the exponential on that. So... Uh, You know the devil's fighting who you are. Y'all want to hear a little music? We've got a little music across the, the parking lot. In the name of Jesus, we shut that outfit down. We shut, the, we shut that outfit down across the street in the name of Jesus. Is that all right with y'all? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we don't care what they do over there and as long as they don't bother us. In Romans chapter 3, let me go to Romans chapter 3. I'm fixing to let y'all out. Fixing being an operative word. That's up to my definition. Hallelujah. But it says in verse 10, Romans chapter 3, verse 10. This is, this is what Paul does. And this is the danger of religion taking stuff out of context. And I want you to be aware of it. I know you're aware of it, but let's just highlight it. Let's just put a beam on it. So everything that we do going forward, we're not confused by this. We're not uh, dissuaded by this. That Paul, can, he, he shines a light on the old covenant and tells the difference. Here's the thing about the new covenant. While we're here, we'll just say this. Everything in the new covenant, no, excuse me. Everything in the old covenant goes forward in the new covenant unless it's changed in the new covenant. So dietary laws, that's old covenant. Don't eat the pig. Don't eat fat. Don't eat that stuff. Well, in the new covenant, it says we're free. Eat anything you want. It might not be profitable, but it is lawful. Worship, he said, uh, there's a new way to worship. Don't worship. You're no more are you bowing down like you do in the old covenant. Now we're lifting our hands and giving thanks into his name. We're worshiping in spirit and in truth. We're worshiping in the spirit. We sing in the spirit. We sing in, the, in, the, in, the, in English for us. So those things that are, the tithe didn't get changed. He didn't say, okay, boys, the tithe is over. He never did. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews, in chapter 7, he talks about the tithe. And Jesus referenced the tithe. 
So that didn't go away. So it's still, everything about it stays the same. Not everything, but, but everything in its basic form. Uh, what else is there? Uh, the Sabbath. Back then, the Sabbath, you can't walk but 32 steps or whatever on the Sabbath. But to now, the Sabbath is not a day. It's not a day. I tell all them people, it's not, it's not on Saturday. The Sabbath is not on Saturday. Galatians talks about the grace and the liberty that we have. But he says, only use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it or that God's allowing it. it but he'll tell you on the inside. So, so having the Sabbath on any day is strictly cultural. We, we're just here on Sunday because that's our culture. They, they give us mostly, they give us days off on Saturday and Sunday. It's cultural. But if you can't be here on Sunday, culturally, you have to do something else. Then you have to take a Sabbath another day. It's the law of the Sabbath is that you take time off and you, and you regard God. So, so, well, you know, that's, not, that's kind of vague. No, it's, it's indelibly inscribed in your spirit. You know what to do. If you get honest with God and you get one with God, you know what to do. I need to take time off. Well, if I don't have to, I'm not going to. Well, yeah, it's, it's lawful, but it's, it's, not, it's not good. Amen. So stuff like that. So here we go in verse 10. As it is written, as it is written, there's our first key. Paul said, as it is written, Old Testament is coming. And what did he say? There is none righteous, no, not one. Well, <laughs> you could lift that one verse out and you could make a statement, a doctrinal statement, a theological statement saying, well, you know, there's none righteous, no, not one. And he goes on. He, he, as it is written, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Is that us? No. They are all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. None that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lip. Wow. That's describing people. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. This is what the world, this is what pagans do. They lift these scriptures out. They just take these and say, that's what y'all say. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the acknowledgement of sin. So he's talking about people that are not born again, that are under the law. Isn't he? Isn't he? He's he's it's his letter. He's referencing the letter. He's writing a letter. And in his letter, he's he's saying, let me tell you how it how it is, how it used to be. And then we'll, we'll, we'll reflect that in how it is. And then he says in verse 21, but now, but now, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being manifested by the law and the prophets. 
even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned. Uh oh, here comes one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want to tell y'all, this is the truth. I sat in a Baptist church most of my young life. And this is the verse I heard right before the closing invitation to get saved. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You are a worm and there's no way to get out of being a worm. All you can do is get up here and be an old sinner that is saved by grace. That's exactly how it was portrayed. He said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then he says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Uh, verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Well, there he ties it off. Don't you hate it when people interrupt you when you're in a, you're in a, uh, you're, you're trying to tell a story so that you can say this, so that you can say that, and they cut you off before the say that. And so it comes out awkward. It comes out weird. It comes out like what you said isn't right because you didn't get to say the therefore. Well, that's what's happened here. And that's what religion has done. We're secure. We're good. There's no danger. The new birth is ironclad. It is completely ours. Uh, <laughs> but Psalm 14 says, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They were all gone aside. They all together became filthy. There is none that doeth good, not no, not one. That's what you have to fight against and draw the line. But and in Ecclesiastes 7, he says, there's not a just man on the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Well, that, you, can, you can develop a, a, an old sinner saved by grace doctrine out of that, could, couldn't you? Couldn't you take that verse and say, therefore, we're just old sinners because there's nobody that doesn't sin. That's what the Bible says. But now, and that's what I want to, I want to stop just for a moment and give the but now. Why, what we're doing here in this little series endeavoring anyway, is to pound down the pilings of who we are in Christ Jesus and remove, eradicate all doubt, all mist, all shading, all gradient of anything that says you might not, of, you might not be covered in what you just did or said or didn't do. We need to be so totally free of that that it never even comes into our mind. I've messed up. Because if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, we got to go there. You, you can't cast out the devils that, that Luke, uh, Mark talked about. If you don't know, because there's some real devils out there, and if they manifest like they can, 
They'll make your liver quiver. So you got to know. You got to know. You got to be a Smith Wickersworth knowing where he got up and said, oh, it's just you. When the devil came into his bedroom and he got back in bed and turned over. That's we must acquire that. We must we must be. If there's not many of us, whatever that means, at least what there is has got to be solid. And that's what we're doing. Romans 3.21. Uh, let's just turn right there. You're right there. Let's turn to Romans 3.21. We read it. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. Excuse me. Let's see. Yeah. But now. That's where I'm going. But now. But now. Can you say it with me? But now. So there's a contrast. Then, but now. It was that, but now. I was, but now. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. In chapter 7, verse 6. I'm going to pull this together, y'all. Verse 6 says, but now, 7, 6 says, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. But now, but now, that's who we are is the but now. Ephesians 2, 13, I'll just read it. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, Ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. But now. I am a but now. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.26. Hallelujah. It is. I heard it. I know what I said. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. Lynn. But now. But now is made manifest to his saints. But now. It changed. Well, I, it still looks like a Prius. It looks like a Corolla. It does. So how do we know it'll, it'll, it'll scoot? Look under the hood. Look in the word. But now. Well, Priuses don't come with that. Well, we have modified it. We have destroyed that little four squirrel squirrel cage that was in it and put El Mongo in. Hebrews 2.8 says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. Y'all remember that? For in that he put all things under subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not all things put under him. But now. I am the but now. <laughs> However that comes out, that's, I am. I was, but, but now. Praise God. Yes, ma'am. Praise God. So Paul quotes the Old Testament for a contrast to but now. And that's who we are. So Jesus is between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you can't read anything that applies to you before Jesus. Nothing. We use it. Sometimes we talk about courage and we talk about 
bravery and we talk about uh, decisions that the, that the ten spies and the two spies made and such like that to, to demonstrate courage, obedience to God. The, all of that stuff's still valid, but we don't have to have it. We use Genesis as a reference to know how the principles of the kingdom are set inside of us. But we don't have to. It's good. We look at Leviticus and say that's the letter of the law and it's a type. It's a type that's been been changed and superseded, but it's a type of the rigor that the law exacts that no man could keep it. And now we don't have to keep it. We just have to be born again, but now. And so we're changed. We're transformed. There's nothing like us on the earth. Even the angels are serving us. If you read Hebrews, you find out they are sent to minister for us. Send them. We should send them. We should send them. If you want to have more success, you ought to pull all the weapons out of your belt and you ought to send the angels. We ought to exercise the, exercise the blood of Jesus. We certainly should live in the name of Jesus. That's who we are. That's our key that opens every door. Every door opens with the name of Jesus. Every problem is solved by the blood of Jesus. It's been there. It's taken care of it ahead of us. Before we got there, the Lord took care of it. So all we do is occupy. Occupy. Take the brakes off and occupy. I, I, I'm so impressed. I, I wake up all the time impressed with how things work. The other day I, I, I got up impressed about how kidneys work. The amazing filtration process and the junk that we cram down this mouth hole. And it comes out so wonderful. And you go, how's that happen? How does, how does flesh, how does, you know, you might could build one out of some nuclear <coughs> rosin and some polytechnic plastic and metal alloy. But the Lord just used flesh, made our stomachs that can hold caustic acid. And yet it doesn't consume us. And our food goes through. The eye is the most complicated thing that's ever been created. It, it, it's all but physically impossible to, to know how the eye even works. And yet... We just take them for granted. We, we are wonderfully made. And, and then there's the universe and the, the, the timing. We, we have to be, the earth has to be exactly how far we are from the sun. Or it's too hot or it's too cold and everything goes. You talk about global warming, you know, and they're worried about a half a centigrade degree. Uh, that's nothing compared to the moon or the, I mean, excuse me, the earth or the sun wobbling back and forth. We, we'd be gone in a year if the sun did anything. And yet it's precisely held. We're precisely held in that orbit. And the, the, uh, the gases that are in the earth 
the percentage of oxygen, 22%, and the percentage of, of uh, nitrogen. They're so intricately balanced that if there was any deviation, it, it end. The magnetic fields on the poles, they have to be just right to repel the solar flares and just right to protect the earth from meteors. I mean, it's just like this thing is a, it's not a Swiss watch. It's a Swiss, Swiss watch store. And, 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 and then, then, able to do all that, he turned and created you and me and said, I can do this. It took him 2,000 years to get from the bobble of uh, well, 4,000 years to get from Adam. 2,000 to Abraham and then 2,000 to us. But it took him 2,000 years to get, am I saying that right? 4,000 years to get from Adam to Jesus. Excuse me. Yeah, now I got it straight. And it took him 4,000 years because he had this old covenant man to work with. Y'all, you know he went to the shop every day saying, we got to do better because this man is hurting me. This man is just hurting me. I can't get anything done. It's going to take me 40 centuries to get the Christ back in the earth to redeem the man that I came and made in Adam. And yet he's so long-suffering. He's so patient. He, he worked through all these things that men, well, God's in control. Well, I think he could have fixed it faster than 4,000 years if he, was, if he was in ultra control. I think he could have got there faster. And, and, and yet, and yet it's so perfect is so perfect. We are such a marvel. We are such a, an, what's that word, idiosyncrasy. We're, we're such an anomaly. We can't be explained. And yet we, we look like the Prius, the Corolla. We, we, we look like just ordinary people. And we were those people that we are different from. But we're changed. And and we cannot, we cannot take it for granted. We cannot just say, oh, well. We've got and we should change the world. Just, just like we've been talking, testimonies. Well, I just put my one little log on the fire. What difference does it make? It makes a difference. It all makes a difference. The United States, if it's in trouble, if it's in trouble, got that way by just one brick didn't get put in the wall. One log didn't get put on the fire and eventually the fire went out. But we're not we're not conceding anything. We're not we're not conceding anything at River Church. Bless God, this thing is rolling and we are going to the end with it. We're not saying give up. We're not saying uncle. No way. We're rolling. We're going to do our part, whatever that is. And so we are hosting a move of God in Alabama. It started. It's taken all these years to get to this place. And I'm just reminded of Gideon. He had all those folks, 33,000 bubbas. <laughs> you know, just brutes, just like, oh, 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 I'm a lineman. <laughs> and he said, you go home. 
You go home, 22,000 of you, go home, go back to mama. And then out of the 10,000, God said, ah, you got, you got 9,700, too many of them. They're good boys. They can catch a pass, so to speak. They can throw one, but they're not elite team. They're not SEAL team. They're not Army Rangers. They're not, but I know who is. And so he sent the rest of them home. And with 300 men, he went up the hill. The Lord's real good about that. He's real. That's kind of his M.O. Even though that's Old Testament, he's kind of that way in the New Testament with Peter and Paul and uh, James. He, he's John. He, he pretty much blazed the trail with just a few. I don't know. And I'm not saying I know. I don't know. But I just am saying, here's what we got. Here's who we are. If we know who we are, if we can get the brakes off. And that's all we got to do. Just if you and I can take our little foot off the brake, this thing would be a Prius at the finish line. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness towards us. And we are. We're, Lord, we've not done it right in so many ways in each one of our lives and even together, Lord, as River Church. But Lord, we want to. And your word says you forgive us and you restore us. That the born again man is your prize and we are that man. So thank you, Lord, for right now, right now, all over this house, us putting on the Lord Jesus and putting on who we are. No matter how we look and the failures in our past, the, the, the regularness, the ordinariness of our past, it just seems so little compared to needing so much. But oh my, you're in us. You're in us. And Lord, you've never failed. You've never failed. You're in us and you can't fail and you're in us so we won't fail. I thank you. I thank you for your grace to go another mile and go another year until you come back. Thank you, Lord. We will do it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, praise God.